I want to take just a moment and thank you for joining us today on Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing another message today. And this week, I am returning back to the book of Revelation. I have taken about a seven-week time off, uh, giving you some messages on that related to Christmas and then some related to the new year. But I'm back into the book of Revelation, and in fact, I'm going to pick up right where I left off. I'm in Revelation chapter 16. And I want to read for you the context for today. It's Revelation chapter 16, beginning in verse 10 and going through verse 11. It's only two verses, but we'll see what happens here. The Word of God reads, beginning in Revelation chapter 16, verse 10. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. <clears throat> you know, I want to talk today about uh, this uh, terribly uh, disastrous chapter. Uh, I know it seems like at times we've gone from judgment after judgment after judgment, devastation after devastation. And, and the reason it appears that way is because we have. This is a, a book that is uh, very difficult at times to read. Uh, after starting with the letter to the churches and then enjoying a, a time of a little bit of, of preparation for worship in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, uh, then the, we find that the seals begin to be opened in Revelation chapter 6, and then the, uh, that we went through seven seals there, and then we, we went through the seven trumpets, and now we're in the seven bold judgments, and we're looking at a, a time of destruction upon the earth, <clears throat> and it is called the time of a tribulation period. And so we, we, we compare this, I guess, to today by looking at natural disasters or severe earthly disasters uh, that come upon the earth. And I want to tell you this. It, they're just a taste of what is to come. In fact, all of the natural disasters of human history since the flood are just warning samples, uh, you might say. Whether they be hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, floods, plaguing diseases, uh, tidal waves, earthquakes. Uh, they're just samples of the worldwide devastation that will occur just before Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Now, I'm living here in St. Louis, and I know what it's like to get the tornado warnings and uh, how fearful they can become when you're hearing uh, the, the noise and the sirens outside and the, the warnings and you know it's bad weather outside because of the what you see and what you hear outside. And so it can be quite frightening. But these many are these are not going to have warnings attached to them. They are uh, just uh, the, the samples are there that we look at day to day on this earth now. But there's coming a time during the tribulation period. Uh, they're going to be much, much worse. We've been looking at these horrifying final judgments of which... Uh, any current or past disasters are but a preview. You think, wow, that they, they were just a preview? I look at this bad tornado that swept down, came down in Alabama. It went for like 160 miles and just left a, uh, that far of destruction. Uh, but these are worse. And if that was just a preview, and we're, we're looking at them, been looking at them now for a long time, uh, we're going to see quite the devastation. We've seen seals un, 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 uh, peeled back. We've seen trumpet judgments and now the bowl judgments. Uh, they simply indicate the initiating features of, of the vision of what John sees here. Uh, <clears throat> so it, it's a, it's a, 
a horrible time, one that I think uh, demands our attention. So I want to, you to think with me about prophetically we come to the book of Revelation. And I know it's been seven weeks since we've been here. Some of you may hear tune this in for the first time, but uh, here in the 16th chapter to the place that this is called the last judgments. Uh, here sin, unrighteousness, blasphemy, rejection will be swept finally from the earth at the, at the end of the tribulation period. And we're right here at the end in chapter 16. This chapter, the one we're in now, chapter 16, gives us the picture of this final destruction from God's wrath at the close of the time on earth known as the tribulation period. It's a seven-year period. The latter part of it is known as the, the Great Tribulation Period. And what happens in chapter 16 immediately, and this is important to know, it immediately precedes the return of Christ. You say, well, but we're only in chapter 16 and we've got all these other chapters to go. And, well, and I say, well, that's true. Chapter 16 uh, is just before the return of Christ. And I know that there is still 17, 18, and 19. But 17 and 18 go back over the tribulation period from another vantage point. Not everything in Revelation is strictly chronological, moment by moment by moment by moment. It does have a, a bit of a flow to it that is chronological, but you can't take every chapter and just stack it one right after the, one right after the other. And so we, we begin to look at some areas, and then when we get to 17 and 18, We'll go back into the tribulation period and pick up some of the things we have not yet understood that take us back to the judgment from another perspective. But chapter 16 really happens immediately prior to the return of Christ. It's followed by a breaking open of heaven and descending on earth and the trampling of the armies that are gathered on earth and which we're going to see forming here. We'll see that beginning next week. Uh, in, into a place called Megiddo, which, which is known as Armageddon. And there, uh, Christ will defeat them all, destroys the sinners, and inaugurates his 1,000-year reign on earth called the Millennial Kingdom. <clears throat> and so you can see this, this time that we're in is preparation for that. It must happen in order for the, the second coming to happen. And, but it all comes before that time. So the nature of these judgments that precede immediately uh, before the return of Christ, they're very, very severe. They are very severe judgments, and they're a good indication as to anywhere else in the Bible how we can see and understand just a little bit about how God feels about sin and rejection. And we, we see that here. Uh, and so we are able to take a look at this and we see the epitome of God's absolute and total destruction of sinners is what we are calling these judgments. And it is a fitting thing because of this particular time in human history, men, <clears throat> the people on earth, will be at the epitome of their satanic worship. Man, they will be at the apex. They will be at the the, the full or complete absolute worship of Satan on this earth. And they will be at the, the total absolute rebellion against God. They will be blaspheming constantly. And they're at the apex of their sin. And God is uh, pouring out his wrath and judgment. And so I want you to think about this as we go into this because this is a difficult section to do. I was telling my wife, I, I'm jumping back into Revelation, uh, I said this last week, next week, 
And boy, it is just so difficult, chapter 16, because it's so hard. So another thing I want you to think about is that during this time, when we read this today, and we look at next week and the preparation for the Battle of Armageddon, <clears throat> we, we have to realize this, that people are still being saved. As bad as the world will be, the gospel is still being preached throughout the world. Uh, we have to believe that because of all the indicators that are out there, uh, even verses in Revelation that tell us about those gathered from the earth that have been saved from every tribe, nation, and people, every tongue. Uh, so I, I really think the greatest revival of all human history is taking place among the Jews and the Gentiles. More people coming to Christ than ever before. Now, that's incredible. It's an amazing thing to think about that. At the same time, the world is going through such devastation. Uh, I can't even uh, picture for you uh, how bad it's going to be and how terrible it's going to be at the time uh, on earth. But I do want you to, to understand some things about this section, uh, that it is difficult to give this in any kind of an order, but I want you to notice that as we go through here, there's, this is compared to the plagues of Egypt, and they're compared to the trumpet judgments. Uh, you see that. So you have really have like three sets of judgments to look at. With this one, you go back to the trumpet judgments, and then you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 7 through 12, and you look at those plagues, and you see that these are there's some similarities and some differences. The first set in Egypt, where well, they were local. <clears throat> it happened in one country, the country being Egypt. The second set of plagues were the trumpet judgments. And I think I mentioned this before. They extend beyond just one nation. They cover one-third of the world. They're called the one-third judgments. Some people have called them that. And then you get into here, into chapter 16, and it's not limited to a nation. It's not limited to a, a fraction of humanity. It covers the whole globe. And that's what is important to note here. When we look at these the, these judgments that uh, a couple of weeks ago, or set, over seven weeks ago, we began looking at the first four, uh, this is the fifth one tonight, or today, and so we, we've covered some things that, that, that actually looks at destruction upon the whole world. Look back at chapter 16, and I just want to show you just a few things. Look at verse 2. The first angel went out and poured out his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Well, we found out from Revelation chapter 13 that that covers everybody. You look at Revelation chapter 13, uh, verse 8, and it says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Who's that? Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the Lamb's book of life, they will worship him. And that same group comes down in Revelation 13, and they will receive the mark. And so this is a judgment, this first bowl, upon those who receive that mark. That God's marked out people to protect them, They're like the 144,000. Satan marks out his group, and they're going to have destruction and judgment coming from God directly upon them if they take that mark. That's the first bowl. The second bowl and that, and that covers the whole world. That was my point. It, the whole world is covered because this is men and women from all over the world who have received that mark that are worshiping because that's what Revelation 13, especially verse 8, says. So you look at the second angel, pours out his bowl in, in, in verse 3 of chapter 16. 
unto the sea. And it became blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the seas died. So there again, it's worldwide. The seas cover many places around the world. And then you look at the third angel poured out his bowl upon the rivers and the springs of waters, and they become blood. And so this, again, is the worldwide devastation. And then you look at the verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch, listen to this, scorch men with fire. What men? Where are these men? These are people all over the world. The sun reaches and affects all life on earth. And so they will be scorched with fire from the sun. Now, do you think that's a local? Do you think that's one nation? Do you think that's one third? No, it covers the entire globe. And so these make this judgment more severe when you think about this because it's looking at the entire globe. Now, think about this. How will all of this affect weather? And we talked about the the uh, the plague of, of the the third or the fourth angel uh, poured out his bowl unto the sun. This was the last message that we gave, and it doesn't take very much to realize that this fourth bowl being poured out to the earth is going to be a devastating, very devastating thing because of what it's going to do. It the the the, the, the the result of this would be actually uh, one that's hard for us to imagine. Uh, but when you look at this and you begin to realize it is talking about the sun being so hot and it's scorching me with fire. Well, you know what heat does. You know what fire does. You know what how that might feel. The sun has always given the world light, warmth, energy. Now it's going to be turned into a deadly killer. Science will not have an opportunity to figure it out. They're not going to have time to study it. But I guarantee you this, that when you have that kind of heat, that kind of pain and agony, and you say, what kind is that? Well, look at verse 9 of chapter 16. The men were scorched with fierce heat, and they cursed or blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. Now that means they know where it's coming from. But yet, you know the anger and the fierce tempers that are boiling over with people one against another. They're, they're, they're angry at one another. Perhaps they're even mad at the Antichrist for not solving this world issue Imagine what the globalists are doing. Imagine what the, the green climate people are doing. The tree huggers, the climate control people. Man, they're freaking out over this. Uh, but it's going to be a terrible time on earth, and we can't even imagine what this is going to do to the ice caps around the world and the mountains that are covered in snow. How is it going to affect the rivers and the storms upon the earth? It's going to be a devastating thing. And I know we probably all looked at that last time, but still, it's out there, and it's one that we need to take a look at. And so if that's not enough, those sores are not enough, I want to give you this. These do not just go away. These bold judgments, we've said from the beginning, they happen rapid fire, 
And we don't know how long they last, but since it's rapid fire and we're just months away from the second coming of Christ, which is where we are in this particular chronology here of Revelation 16, then I would imagine the, the sores found in, in, in verse 2 and the rivers and the lakes and fresh water and the sun creating the scorching uh, temperatures and the, the, the uh, uh, heat and the, uh, the sores over these people uh, are, are enough to last all the way until their final judgment comes. In other words, once these happen, they're not just going to disappear. In other words, the sores aren't going to just pop on today on Monday and be gone on Wednesday. They're going to stay the whole length of time. Which brings me to the fifth bowl. The fifth bowl is important to look at because we know that the people are already angry. They're already furious. They're already confused. They already have temper uh, flaring and they've been scorched. They can't get cool. The Antichrist is not helping. Uh, the false prophet's not helping. They have no control. Satan can't touch these judgments. Think about that. He can't touch them. And so you look at this and you have to ask yourself, well, how much worse could it get? How bad could it get? Well, look at the fifth bowl. The fifth angel poured out his bowl Upon the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And here's why they gnawed their tongues. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Well, what sores are these? Well, you go back to Revelation 16 verse 2. Remember, all these people are unbelievers. They have all have received the mark of the beast. And they have received now this judgment in verse 2. The first angel poured out his bowl upon the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast who worshipped the image. How bad is that sore? Well, we've looked at these ulcerous, cancerous-type sores upon their body. Now, what do you think the heat is going to do to those sores? What do you think is going to happen to these people with these sores? I would imagine it is quite the pain. In fact, it tells us how painful it is. And we'll take a look at that in just a minute. But this fifth bowl is interesting. I was reading Amir this week on this, and he brings out something that's interesting. He said that some may think, this darkness, which is what this is, because the fifth angel poured out his bow upon the throne, and his kingdom became darkened. So this darkness, Amir says, and I'm reading from his book, uh, Reve Revealing Revelation, uh, he says, some may think this darkness, well, they might be asking, is that all? There's nothing wrong with the little isolated lights out of time now. Then it's interesting that the darkness won't come until the fifth bowl. And so he's comparing this and begins looking at this to the, the, uh, the plagues, which takes us back to Egypt, which takes us back to Moses, which takes us back to the people being released from Egypt. And there they had the partial darkness, but there it was different because it was just local. And we've mentioned this already. It was local to Egypt only. The camp of Israel, the people inside Israel's site where they stayed, had lights. Now, I don't know if you've ever really experienced a real darkness. I know my son and I, uh, we were traveling back from California in his car, 
uh, traveling through those long stretches of either deserts or plains that were just, man, they were just uh, tiring, and it was it was dark. It had gotten dark. We had, had we did not book any hotels anywhere, so we were going to try to drive to the next city. And boy, it was dark, and but you still had all the stars up there. So what we did is we pulled over. And we turned off the car lights because there was no other cars on the road. We didn't see any cars on the road. We turned off the headlights to see how dark it really was. And I, it was kind of fearful. I mean, it, it was dark. But yet we could look up and see all the stars. I mean, I've never been in a place where I could see that many stars because there was, in the, as far as the horizon, you could see any direction. And it was just as black as black could be, but you could see stars from heaven. In fact, I don't remember whether the moon was out. I don't think the moon was, was much a problem that night, but it was dark. You could see, but you had the stars. Now, this darkness is going to be different. This darkness is going to be a judgment darkness. It's not going to be like the sun just setting and then the dark at night happening. It is going to be a judgment darkness, and that is the difference. You don't have to try to figure out something here and try to piece together some kind of phenomenon or a sandstorm or dust storm or a thunderstorm coming up. This is God's judgment. Now, some people might think it's actually poured out. Uh, it says on the throne, uh, it says poured his bowl upon the throne of the beast. Well, you might, they, people, we really don't know what all this is. Some think it might well mean that he poured out his bowl on the renewed, uh, restored excuse me, city of Babylon, where he sets up a capital. Some think it might just be the, uh, uh, an indication of his power, uh, darkness over his power, or where uh, he's actually set his actual throne. In any case, I think this darkness is telling us that his dominion at this time, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, are controlling the world. They are the one world leader. So everywhere they control, it is dark. And so I think it extends to the end of his dominion because his kingdom becomes darkened. It may be dumped in one spot in the vision that John sees, but it covers the whole dominion of the Antichrist, which is a worldwide dominion. I believe the entire human system called Babylon is now engulfed in darkness. And so you think, wow, this this is really an incredible kind of, 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 of uh, judgment. This, these people now have these incredible sores, uh, stinking, wretched, polluted seas that we talked about last time. I think Florida understands this because of red tide, how you go near the water and it just doesn't smell too good. But now these polluted seas, are the, the whole world, there's no real water to drink except perhaps in some isolated places. Uh, I don't know. It's not very clear. But I know people have to have water, so there must be some water that people maybe have stored up. I don't know. But it becomes fire and invisible flame. It comes out of a torch because it's dark. Uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 2, looks at this day and says, The day of the Lord comes, a day of darkness, a day of clouds, a thick darkness. The sun shall be turned into darkness. And there they are all in the blackness of the darkness. We don't really understand what all this is. But we know how dark, dark can be as far as what we have been able to see. But this is going to be much worse. 
I can't imagine the people stumbling and chaos and the confusion it's going to cause, thinking, where is the sun? The sun is not going to come out anymore? Is this, I mean, what's happening? What is going to be the mindset of these people? Listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 13, verse 24. In those days, <clears throat> and this would parallel Mark chapter, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. But it parallels this. It, is, it says this in Mark 13, 24. In those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Now, what is that? That's the return of Christ. And when God is doing and giving these judgments, this one prepares the time for Christ's return. We're going to see when we get to Revelation chapter 19 just how much the darkness plays in the return of Christ. But the people react here. And this is, this is so important to understand this. The people react. What would you do if suddenly we were faced with this? These Just these bold judgments. But you've got to understand, they don't just have the bold judgments. They've already had the seals. They've already had plagues. They've had disasters. They've had all kinds of death and just pollution and destruction upon the earth. But how would you respond to just this one section where you have the sores? Uh, perhaps you didn't receive the mark and you don't have that sore. But you still got the polluted waters, the seas, the drinking waters, hard, hard to find. And you've got the sun beating down and scorching you. What do you do? Because I would imagine during this time, there will be power outages almost everywhere. I can't imagine, actually, any power surviving this. I can't imagine any Transformers living past this. So I, I, I don't know how bad it's going to be, but... My question is, what would you do? Well, verse 10 gives us the reaction of what they do. It says, <clears throat> they gnawed their tongues because of pain. Now, the pain is so severe, you hurt yourself somewhere so you can redirect your attention. They literally bite and chew on their own tongues to distract themselves from the agony that they're in. I can't, I, my mind won't let me understand that. And while they're chewing on their tongues, you might think they would repent. You think? I mean, you, you tend to think, well, why don't they just fall on their knees and, and repent? Because look at what verse 9 says. The men <clears throat> were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues. They blasphemed the name of God who has power over. In other words, they're not cursing one another. They're not cursing the Son they're not cursing the Antichrist or the beast or the false prophet. They're cursing God who has the power over the plagues. Now, how stupid is that? How blind can blind be? How foolish can foolish be? How sinful can sin be? I, I, I'm always drawn uh, back to this verse because it is. It, every time I, I read this section, I, I think about this. In John 3.16, we know what that says. But then it says... Uh, this, in, in 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him was not judged, but he who does not believe in him has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Now, 
Do you think they love this darkness? Do you think they're happy with this darkness? Do you think maybe if they didn't have those sores, they would not be blaspheming God? No, they still would. Do you think if the sun... Well, you, you know, here, here's the thing. When, when the sun goes down in the summertime, it generally starts to cool down at night. I don't think it's cooling down. I think these people are in it. Boy, they are understanding the agony and they're blaspheming God of heaven because their pains and their sores. And that takes you all the way to the first and tells you cumulative, doesn't it? Takes you all the way back to the, to the first judgment. It's incredible defiance. They just will not repent. Their unwillingness to repent is the last reference here before the second coming. We're just months, of, maybe days away from the second coming at this point. And they're still shaking their fist at God. Man, you think, how bad can that be? How awful can that be? It is very, very bad. They don't repent. Well, what would it take to get them to repent? Would six more months of this pain make them repent? Would another year of different kinds of judgments make them repent? I don't think so. I think they have been confirmed in their unbelief and their judgment is there in partiality now on earth, or will be. Even that is partial. The full judgment is yet to come for them. You know, it's going to be a terrible time, but for now, this is William Rogers, and I thank you for joining me today. Thank you for, as we've gotten back into the book of Revelation, this just kind of uh, whets my appetite to, to jump right into what's coming next, and you can see what's coming next, verses 12 through 16. Uh, tremendous how God prepares the way. And God is the initiator in the Battle of Armageddon. So plan on being with me next time for the Battle of Armageddon. And thank you for joining today.